Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hi there, folks. Welcome back to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, we have a, a WordPress posse join me. And we have just a really good guess about anything to do with WordPress or anything in general that the conversation goes down. This is episode 241. I'm going to let my guests quickly introduce themselves. And let's start with ladies first, as always. Let's start with a real champion of the show, Sally. I am Sally Getch. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl. I build websites for small businesses and nonprofits, and I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. We've got two Johns on the show, so I'm going to call our guest JJ. So, JJ, would you like to introduce <laughs> yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is John Jacoby. Uh, I'm the project lead for Buddy Press BB Press. Um, generally, uh, uh, try not to be too crabby on Twitter and GitHub uh, at JJJ, and uh, I am excited to uh, be here today. This will be fun. I don't know that I've, I mean, I may be in the early days, but I don't think that I've ever been on the show. So I'm excited yeah, what time, to hang out. Have you, you, have you got any alcohol with, with you? Because you might need it. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some in the fridge. Usually... Usually on the Tavern podcast, I've got, a, I've got a beer just to hang out with Jeff for an hour and a half, yeah. so... It's been no, I have noticed that a lot of the panel do start hitting back stuff as they as this <laughs> as this progresses. Actually, JJ, I'm going to let my I'm going to yeah I'm going to let my former great co-host um, John introduce himself. Go on, John. Sure thing. My name's John Locke. The business is Lockdown Design, and that's SEO consultation for established businesses. Onward to Lee. Yeah, um, on to Lee Jackson, the, the famous Lee Jackson. Hello, apparently I'm famous. This is Lee Jackson, and I am from Angle Crown. We work with design agencies all around the world, converting their beautiful designs into powerful WordPress themes. Powerful, Ooh. powerful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the host of this. Um, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We specialize in learning management systems and general support and management of WordPress websites. That's what we get up to. So um, let's get into it, guys and girls. Uh, um, let's get into these news stories. Um, I thought, you know, it's eight years. It's taken eight years, but in the end, they got around to it. Uh, the text widget. Now you can embed images, short codes, everything you should have done. Anybody wants to kind of jump into that first story well it's, it's the short code part that's new because they they had added the you know the rich text editor uh, last time and uh you know this is this is sort of the the sequel to the oh there were some issues with the text widget when we entered with the new text widget so then we had to introduce a new html widget um and now finally we've decided that well if we're if we want to make the text widget basically just like the post editor, then, then we should, should just support the short codes natively instead of making you put, you know, add something to your functions file, uh, which, you know, I, I think it is one of those sort of, you know, not before time uh, fixes, but, you know, a good thing to have insofar as one has to cope with short codes. 
I'm with you on the short codes there. I mean, it, it feels ridiculous that we actually had to put one line of code in to our function file or into a plugin or whatever it was when they could have included it years ago. But I don't really know the backstory. I don't often use short codes anyway because I kind of don't like them. I'm not a snob about them, but I don't necessarily like them because when clients are trying to use short codes, they have no idea what they're doing. So, um, so for me, I don't really have much else to input onto this one. Well, I, I expect like eventually it's 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 going to be the Gutenberg widget anyway. Yep, exactly. Just insert I mean, blocks. That's the ironic part about this is that it's as as the, where everyone is working on Gutenberg and block based editors that we're still filling in short code support in all of the places where it hasn't really been officially supported. So hmm. um, that's then I think just, the, then you just do a search replace and put block support in, in instead. Yeah, if it were so easy, right? Right. All right, so I've got a thumbs down for that story. The, the panel was really enthusiastic. Well, I didn't even ask John if he had any. You're going to save this, John, or do you think I'm just, I'll just get on to the next story, John? Get on to the next one. Oh, thank you, John. All right. <laughs> like I said, always... slow news day. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, God. I'm starting to get the abuse already. I knew I was going to get a fair bit on this. Oh, uh, well, you know, Jonathan wasn't interested in any of the stories I suggested. So. Well, and well, I we, didn't we, understand we, one of yours. I tried to I read it. I couldn't even understand one of them, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> It's above our really level. Even oh, I can't understand. I, I still have no idea what WP Engine is talking about with it, oh, with great. that thing. Because um, I thought I was thick. <laughs> no, no, that 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 was written by somebody's. You know, I specialize in jargon marketer. Uh, yeah. Well, I read, I read it twice, and I thought myself, well, you know, I suffer from a bit of dyslexia. It must be that because I can't understand a word of this dribble. You got to put it in go. the show notes just for people to read it and see if anyone can actually decipher it. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> Um, on to the next one, the, uh, um, WordPress 4.4 re removes try Gutenberg call to action. I have an opinion. Go on. Oh, go for it, Lee. Go for it, Lee. What a stupid idea that was. <laughs> the, the call to action or the removing it? The call to action in the first place because my, all of my clients would instantly go, oh, that sounds great. Click, install, break. Right. That only, yep. calls, that only calls us a little bit of work, Lee. I, I sent out an email to over 60 people last week saying, mm. this might be coming up. Don't touch that button. Don't touch it. Yes, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we want ordinary WordPress users to test Gutenberg, but not on their live sites. Exactly. I think it, I think it was the most ridiculous idea I've ever seen. And that's saying something. Uh, um, whoever thought, oh, it might have been JJ. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, it, it was. No, I'm I, I mean, it was Mike. I mean, I made a comment in the track ticket that, like, I don't mind the idea of letting people know what's coming. I didn't really like that if, if WordPress is going to move that direction, that it was all Gutenberg specific. Like, I think if this is a thing that we want to start doing is like alerting people that new cool stuff is coming in WordPress, that we should own that a little bit better. Like we should have a schedule for when we start letting people know what's coming and we should give people the option to dismiss it one time and it goes away forever and not have it reappear with every single release. Like I think that there's a way to do this that's maybe a little bit more elegant than what dropped in uh, in beta, but that's like what beta is for kind of is like we've been working on a thing, put it in there, see what the reaction is and then let's yank it out. And so it's actually kind of 
awesome that we're able to experiment a little bit with some kind of ideas like this, because if you think it's bad, you get feedback that it's bad, and then you pull it out right away, and it's okay. So uh, I, I have a feeling this will come back. I think it might have been the, the marketing team that, uh, that suggested this. Um, <laughs> is that yeah. We actually developed some of our, uh, quite a few of our kind of upcoming sites are actually, we actually install beta for some of our clients in advance, sure. not for live sites. Um, but if we're, if we know there is an imminent release coming out of WordPress in the next few weeks, we're already running it on the, the beta version because we want to know everything we're doing is actually going to work when it updates. Uh, could you well. imagine... Could you imagine what could have happened if that mag would have somehow like leaked through WordPress.com or a bunch of dot com <laughs> users get a get a, a nag for Gutenberg when they're mostly getting redirected to the new dashboard and the okay, Calypso maybe. interface? Also, there's just like interfaces and like recommendations all over the place that don't make any sense. Like it could be really bad. So I think everyone gets like your guys's perspective of like yeah. you have to shut this down like super early days or people are going to click it and start breaking stuff. But it's gone, so it's like it never happened. Exactly. What happened? What? <laughs> well, no, I'll give you. You know, it was beta, and actually, we don't allow we don't allow automatic updates on the sites that we're maintaining. We because that's what they're hiring us for. Uh, um, so, but I just sent it out just as a warning in general. If they had any any other sites that, for you know, for madness reasons, they weren't having us maintain for them. You no, know, which is really strange uh, um, but uh, um, but no um, I could see it but um, I, I, I didn't think like you say JJ it was, wasn't the most elegant um, idea yeah. so it's it's gone isn't it um, sameness has returned to WordPress oh has John got anything to say about this or, uh, just basically uh, the, the, the two types of clients I seem to have are the, are the people who are editing stuff every day or every other day and the people who rarely go in and edit at all so they would either you know be compelled to, to click on it and try it or they would just not even you know bother with it so but either way I, I think it's good to to remove the call to action to try it until we've got a finalized version of Gutenberg yeah, because it's moving, to say the least. All right, on to the next one. I've got a um, question. Oh, good. You've got a question of you, Lee, right. John James looks clever. Um, so <laughs> I want to ask him this. Uh, on, yeah. on Gutenberg, like, I've, heard so, I've read so many news articles recently about React, React not being used and all sorts of other stuff like that. Uh, yep. Like, Is it all back on track now? Are we all using React and it's like going to rock up in a couple, few months' time, or is it still a so, bit So it, the primary code... Base right now is still using React, but there is a version of it that uses Vue. Yep. And so it's sort of, it's built to be like agnostic in a way. I mean, JavaScript kind of allows for that as long as it's architected in ahead of time that way. And I think that it could go either direction. And there's, there is like completely outside of Gutenberg, there is somewhere on the web that I don't remember like uh, there is a consortium of like front end frameworks that's starting to form to try and make sure that all of these uh, React, Preact, Vue, all similar libraries have interoperability. So in theory, you could pick the one that you want and it wouldn't even make a difference in how the, the application would function. Uh, there's a company that's somewhat local to me uh, and developers that build a framework called Ionic 
And so they invented a piece of technology. I think it's called Stitch, uh, but they oh built it. They built it as a as a to identify this problem of like people are writing a bunch of JavaScript and they have a bunch of weird front end choices that they have to make, and then everyone expects them to compile down into some like pseudo native web wrapper UI thing. And with their framework, they see someone uses Angular, someone uses React, someone uses Vue, someone uses something else. But then the expectation is that it all still bubble up and work. And it's impossible unless there is some other middleware to shape it all together. So uh, in theory, other smarter, more dedicated resources are like trying to solve the problem outside of like spiritually, which one do you pick? And license-wise, which one do you pick? And you know, Facebook, do you love them or hate them? Hopefully that's kind of a non-issue if the consortium thing really pulls through. So uh, everything is still going ahead with React. I don't think that that's the wrong choice as it is, but I am comforted by the fact that there is some other uh, people that are uh, solving the middleware problem. Hope that was a clever enough answer. That it was, was very, it was very clever. Yes, I, I, th I think it's important. And I mean, I'm, it's, I'm glad to know that there are people who are sort of working on other versions and in case that's necessary, because yeah, I heard people speculating on, oh my God, you know, basically everything is stopped. And it's like, no, I, I follow that core editor on, on Slack. Nobody took a breath, yeah. you know, people just kept building. Yep. Um, and that's good and bad, I guess, right? Like you don't want people to be too distracted by something that doesn't really super dictate how you write the code. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, it's an important deal. Licensing is as, as we shape our businesses around, not just WordPress, but our own products and our own clients and everything else. Like if you don't know what little license part is hooked in there, then you're, you could be setting yourself up for, you know, trouble later. So it's good that we're all learning how to care a little bit more about it, but I agree. There are, there, there are people whose jobs it is to care immensely about these things. And so uh, we're hopefully we're able to trust them and not worry about it too much. Rightio. Um, on Sorry, to, yeah, no problem. On to my next poorly selected story. Uh, um, <laughs> right, uh, um, the, a new theme experience in customizer. Anybody want to pass any comment on that poor selection of a story? Uh, you know, it's pretty. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I don't use the customizer that much, and I don't use the um, theme browser that much either. Uh, so, you know, it looks like uh, if you are a theme developer, there are maybe some things you should pay attention to here, um, and that it will probably be a you know a nicer experience for a lot of end users who, oh, I've installed WordPress, let me look for something, versus, you know, you're starting out and you've already, you know, chosen these kinds of things that are setting them up. Anybody? Else? Well, I, I just hate customizer in general. I just mm -hmm. hate, I hate the piece of crap. Uh, but there we go. That's my view on it. Um, I, I don't hate it. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, there are places where it's more and, and less useful, but... Uh, you know, it, it's just those those of us who've you know been around a while uh, just never got into the habit of using the customizer because it right. wasn't there yet. Right, I would agree. I think the one thing that was nice about WordPress in the early days was you got to dip into WP Admin, make your edits, and then dip back out and see the site. Like it wasn't like you lived in WP Admin necessarily all the time. The customizer is sort of that inside of 
WP admin again. Like you kind of, we keep building these layers of like, well, we'll dip into the customizer, we'll tweak something and then we'll dip back out. And so there's something familiar about the customizer that I really like and Weston is awesome. Everyone that works on it is really great. But I agree. I don't, I am like, I, I like writing the theme and the code and making like, I'm building a thing and I get, I, I don't really think about the customizer all that much. So uh, I think when we redesign BuddyPress and BBPress.org though, I really want to like use as much native WordPress stuff as possible because we end up with a whole bevy of like plugins and extra theme and weird code that hooks in and does all this fancy stuff. And we shouldn't have to do that anymore. Like, we should be able to take like a really powerful WordPress theme, something that's really cool that everyone really likes, and then be able to tweak it and customize it and use the tools that we're building to like run our own websites. If we can't do that, I feel like we're sort of failing ourselves and everybody else. So I really want to double down on using like native functionality wherever we can. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's been a while since I looked at BuddyPress, but somebody in my Meetup just mentioned that that she'd been, you know, setting it up to to build a community on a, a nonprofit website, um, awesome. and you know they're 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 planning to launch soon and see if anyone shows up. They're like, that's yeah, that's, you maybe wanted to test whether people were interested in getting involved that way before true. you did all that. It's true. It's that is the hardest part of every single buddy press site, even like multi site, which I know we'll talk about later, but. You gotta, yeah, I mean, any any kind of, of community site, and uh, yep. I think it depends a lot on who your community is, but, you know, I forget who it was I was talking to, but they were saying that, you know, they were trying to, to set these things up, and even on, you know, Facebook, where most people who aren't me are hanging out all the time, I, people weren't participating. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a matter of, like, the technologies that... It's, that wasn't what people wanted to do. And in other places, yep. you'll find extremely lively, uh, you know, forums or groups or communities or, or Slack channels or, or whatever. But I, I do know people who switched from trying to, you know, have a community area on their website to just saying, here, I'm going to create a Slack channel for, you know, people to right. hang out in. And, uh, well, and that's the thing is like Slack has done a good job of like making idling okay. Like you join a Slack channel and everyone's happy to see you. You like toot the wave emoji. Everyone's like, oh, look, this person's here. That's great. And then like nothing happens as for some reason, like that's okay. And then maybe you go back and forth a little bit, but then you end up like a member of 15 Slack networks. Um, I don't know. Slack is capitalized on like the implementation part of it that I think maybe we haven't done with BuddyPress very well, but, um, but you're absolutely right. Getting people to show up. Uh, is the hardest part of all of this. It's the hardest part. Of, you could pay people and they won't show up, let alone like free will, letting them show up whenever they want. So uh, there are some yep. good success stories though with Buddy Press. I know we've kind of gone off topic, by the way, but you've oh got well, to- that's the tradition of this show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that, that never happens. No, we've got we've, we've got Athletics Weekly, um, which uh, they are rocking Buddy Press with. I'm pretty nice. sure thousands of members. So that's athleticsweekly.com. Um, quite very popular here in the UK. And that is um, the bona fide out of the box buddy press and looks freaking awesome. I can hear you tap in there, Mr. John James Jack. That's me. Yeah, I'm typing. I'm checking way, it out. Can you also do me another favor? Can you say WP admin again? 
<laughs> WP admin? No, you were like admin. Admin, like, admin, admin, WP admin. Oh, admin. Yeah, admin. oh, yeah, WP admin. Yeah, no, I don't know yeah, why I said WP admin. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's weird that I say it that way. That's like, well, nobody's ever called me out for saying it like that. Sorry, I'm the guy I with know, the accent. Okay. Well, yes, I think it's because he's a Brit, so he notices the way. On the customizer, though. Oh, sorry. Carry the other on. Thing I, the, other, the other thing I say weird is sorry. 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 I don't know why. I don't know how I, I don't know how I started doing that. Cause I'm from Wisconsin where everything is, ah, so I don't know what happened. Sorry. And WP admin. Yeah. Okay. The uh, customizer <laughs> though, going full circle, just, yeah. just pretending it's yeah, try to go back onto the subject. Lee. Yeah. Yes, even though it's more of a pear shape than a circle, but, um, <laughs> the, try the, that, yeah. the customizer itself, um, I used to hate it, but kind of love it. We do, everything we build now, I mean, we've got this uh, SaaS solution that we do for event companies as well. So everything we do is on multi-site, but we do um, uh, a lot with the customizer because clients really like having that kind of organized section where they can go into the header and change everything and look at it and see it there live and it's happening. And then if they're not happy with things, they just cancel and start again or they save their progress. And they really like that. I still don't like it and I don't know why clients like it, but because it's out of the box WordPress and it's a few lines of code to add just another option into the customizer, we stopped using about three years ago, ACF options and moved everything mm -hmm. over to the customizer. So although I'm not the biggest fan of it because it's WordPress and it's, core and it's supported and it's easier to administer and look after we just went full customizer so i'm not surprised to see themes in there and yep. as long as you can't edit posts in there in the future because that would kill me I yeah, prefer right. that, so. i think I that want... being able to save customized themes is like drafts like being able to go through make some changes and then save yeah. them and not launch the site makes the customizer like a thing that you can we can really start to invest really really heavily in uh, because up until now, it was you kind of told people not to touch it because they could really dork the site up pretty quickly without really trying. Yeah. So now they can, you, in theory, someone can make a user role that only allows them to save theme tweaks as a draft and they can say, hey, I want it to look more like this. And you can log in as an admin and go, oh, that's a good idea. Let's deploy that. Let's hit publish and then it'll go. Like up until now, that wasn't even possible. So yeah. Yeah, I think that, we'll that see like a nice world feature. of flexibility. Yep. Um, John, what do you think? Please support me, John. Uh, as far as the uh, theme preview moving into the customizer, I think that that is uh, a good move. I think it's solid because I think that's one thing that's lacking is the way that it is now is, when you go to activate a new theme, you're not really sure how it's going to look. But I think that this will be a big improvement. And one thing that I took away from this article as well is that if you are running a multi-site and you have a bunch of themes installed, uh, performance-wise, this is going to be a substantial improvement. So I think that's oh, right. a positive. That's a, that was a point I forgot about. Thanks for pointing that out. I just want to clarify things. Um, I, I, I do agree with what you were saying, JJ, about uh, a unified interface. Um, and I think the basic concept of customizer is um, totally, um, I would support it. It's, it's, I've just find the implementation, I can't talk again, good. Um, the basic setup, the present moment, I just personally find it very clunky. I just find the U, the uh, UX interface 
when I do um, go occasionally to use it, I, I just find there's something about it I personally find really clunky. But it could be just person, personal taste driven. That's something which one person's opinion you definitely can't listen to and definitely not mine. Right. Uh, Some parts are better than others, right? I don't like attempting mm -hmm. to do widget management or menu management because there's like moving stuff around in that narrow panel is just a pain in the patootie. Although I think both widget management and uh, menu management need to tune up regardless. Uh, And, uh, but, you know, for other things like, oh, you know, add your logo here, you know, put your site icon in, uh, you know, change some of your colors and the ability to preview it right away is nice. I like that the customizer, and I mean, a lot of people won't like this, but the, the way that Weston and everyone is doubling down on improving the customizer with like every single WordPress release is something that we haven't seen in WordPress, I think, in a long time. Like that momentum of a dedicated group of people that are iterating repeatedly, release over release over release on something. Uh, is really refreshing uh, because most of the time it's like big feature, ship it in a major version, and then it drops and it's in there, and then everyone moves away from it. And the customizer has seen like continual improvements and iterations and feature ads, release over release over release, uh, which is is super super refreshing. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> um, to say to remark about what Sally, I think that's one of the reasons why I resist it. Is it? It is this narrow panel. I think if it was full full width, um, more room for it, more kind of scope for UX. I, I think it would. Uh, my feelings towards it would be a bit more warmer. But like I say, that's personal taste, isn't it? Yeah, no, nobody's going to remark on that. I know, I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I think, that, is, I think that is a problem for some of the things that they're trying to, to do in the customizer and other than work well. I mean, you know, I have used the, you know, add your CSS thing in the, in, in the customizer to, to quickly test stuff, but writing mm-hmm. CSS in something that's this wide, it's, you know, it, it, it's not really a very good experience. So if it's, if it's more than something very small, I'm as likely to want to, you know, test it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, I, I, also, I also feel for a real newbie, I think it, one of its purposes was to make it a lot easier. And I take what JJ said about, and he's totally correct, you know, compared to having things all over the place, you know, mm-hmm. which that is a, a growing tendency. You've, you find settings everywhere. Um, to have it in one coherent UX um, yeah. interface is great. But um, my experience with newbies is that um, I think after they've used it a few times, they do tend to like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also struggled initially just as much in working out what it's about as some of the more traditional mythologies. That's my experience. But I think with any new technology, people some people will double down on it real hard and put everything in the customizer and then it freaks people out and then some people are turned off by it. And then some people will avoid it inherently. And then after a few years when you realize like, oh, this is becoming useful. This is something that I should pay more attention to, whatever else, uh, everything kind of evens out uh, in the end. And the customizer is like very 
like it's still very WordPress in that there is a strict purposeful separation between the stuff that you're working on and writing and what's happening on the front side of the site. And so if the customizer is the evolution of a front end editor, uh, I, I think there's some psychological uh, benefit to like slow rolling an idea like, okay, everything happens on the theme side. Now I think if we dropped that or if the world had that, that it's too drastic of a shift, the people that already want that are trying that out on Squarespace or on a, a site builder type website. And, uh, but the, the, you know, 40 million or whatever sites, 28% uh, of the web, is it if you dropped a front a front side editor on them, uh, themes wouldn't have a hundred percent support for it. There'd be a bunch of breakage all over the place, and it would just be too much change too quickly. So, uh, I think if the customizer is the way to to creep on that idea, uh, and I don't know that it is, but to me it kind of seems like it is. Uh, it's it, it could be worse, I guess. Yeah, um, I think that you've opened a whole other area, which you, if you decide to come back, JJ, we can discuss. <laughs> I think we're going to go for our break, folks, and uh, we'll, be back, we'll be back in a few moments and we'll be delving in um, how to use multi-site um, on a kind of person, beginner, developer level um, with our great panel. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks. We've had a great news discussion. We're going to delve now into multi-site. Lee's getting ready. He's getting his clobber on. Uh, um, <laughs> he's in the line. Right, always do the runner. Uh, um, so, multi-site. It's not yeah, something I chose. Pardon, oh, there it is. Nice. <laughs> right. I like it. God, he looks. Uh, <laughs> God, he looks a bit frightening today. Actually, he's been to the dentist yesterday. I think he's brought out the other it was, side. It was this morning. That's how dedicated I am to this podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is like the post root canal. Lee, is is that it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's well, why it's so grouchy. <laughs> uh, well, I, I had a similar treatment yesterday, Sally. Oof. Ongoing. I, I've actually, um, I no longer live at home, Sally. I just live at my dentist. You've, you've just moved into the dentist's office. That doesn't sound like has got all my fun. money now, Sally. I can't afford anything because <laughs> he's actually got all my money now. Uh, I feel like um, he's, he's, put a new, he's put a new story on his house. Yeah, Exactly. Talking about dentistry and multi-site in the same week, you guys are <laughs> you guys are champions. <laughs> we we we're, we're not known to go off topic at all, JJ. Not, not, not at all. Uh, um, uh, um, um, is that multi-site's new slogan? Is like WordPress multi-site better than dental work? Uh, I hope <laughs> it, uh, some people would disagree <laughs> with that, JJ. <laughs> uh, um, 
Right, on, uh, I just want to get a quick um, outline where I would like the conversation to go. Obviously, the panel will take absolutely no notice of what I'm just about to say. I just thought a quick outline on what multi-site is, um, what it's good for, what it might not be good for, and then um, some resources, some areas that you found that in your own experiences tricked you up a little bit. Um, I think that would be a, a great resource to our listeners. Um, I don't know if the rest of the panel agree with that, but I thought I'd give a quick outline. And would JJ like to start I'll, off the conversation? I'll start, I'll, I'll start the pitch statement because I want to hear more from y'all how you use it and or maybe don't always, don't always love using it. But uh, myself, Jeremy Felt, and a few others uh, help maintain the WordPress multi-site component. So multi-site is a feature uh, within WordPress. It used to be like the original fork of WordPress. So it was WordPress MU. Uh, just you had a multi-site install of WordPress and you had a single site word, uh, install of WordPress. And so when I found WordPress, I found multi-site first. I didn't know there was even a single site option. It was multi-site. And, uh, and so I have a, a special place in my heart for it. And where WordPress single site had the famous five minute install, WordPress multi-site had the famous five install minimum uh, because <laughs> at, you could at never- least, At yeah, least, that's what I'll be told. You, you could never really get it working the way you wanted to until after you had like installed it and reinstalled it and installed it again a few times. And so uh, at this point, uh, I would say the most common example of a good WordPress installation aside from wordpress.com uh, is uh, educational. Uh, any, any place that is a, a college or a school that needs multiple sites uh, for maybe an alumni site or uh, specific classes or the front-facing site plus some private sites. Uh, you see it in, a, in places where there is a need to run multiple WordPress sites, but because they're all running the same code underneath means that there is there needs to be some type of overlap between the themes that they're running the plugins that are active uh and and all that jazz and so there are some like technical differences underneath the hood in multi-site that help it be possible and help it run in uh in a an efficient kind of way um, but above and beyond that multi-site offers all sorts of different weird kind of concepts like Domain mapping, we call it, but it's like site aliasing, which is how you have uh, a top-level domain like jjj.blog actually is living on WordPress.com or whatever. So uh, being able to rewrite and redirect different things in different ways is really nice. And then one of the things that I like to talk about, uh, which I think makes multi-site more valuable to more people, is uh, there's a built-in sort of hidden piece of functionality that uh, no one talks about and few people use, but uh, we've used on wordpress.org and .com for multiple networks of sites. And so it's just like grouping sites together, uh, but in the way that wordpress.org is one network and then there is make.wordpress.org and a bunch of sites there is another network. And then buddypress.org is another network and bbpress.org is another network. And so there are ways to group sites together, but you have the same users all in the middle and so uh, networks traditionally are like different domains, but you still have some shared code base amongst all of them. So uh, the nice thing about it 
is you only have one code base to work with. So you're not updating 50 WordPresses all the time. You update one WordPress and all of these sites get that update for yourself. So um, it's sort of a thing that a lot of people misuse or use incorrectly or have a, they try out and it isn't really for them. And that's totally hundred percent fine. Uh, but for the people who want multi-sites uh, or multiple sites and networks, it really is a super, super cool, extremely useful feature to have built into WordPress core. It is. Um, Lee, um, it, it, but it has a bit of a reputation, doesn't it? As being a bit of a beast, doesn't it? Is it, lack of knowledge or are there some, um, you know, I understand it's improved over the past 18 months considerably, the mm -hmm. installation, but are there still things that catch people out, Lee, do you think? that? Hmm. Uh, well, we've used it as an agency. I've used it across two agencies um, for, I would say, four years uh, in production environments. And maybe four years ago, it was a little bit complicated at times, but I can only re mainly remember two headaches that I may have had. It's actually been a complete breeze for four years, so I'm surprised mm -hmm. that people, I mean, I suppose for people who don't understand the concept of what multi-site is, then yeah. perhaps it's confusing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'll have uh, clients who get added to one of the accounts and can't work out why they can't see any of the other sites in the drop-downs. So there's, there's usability issues um, mm -hmm. when people don't understand how multi-site works, but I guess because we've been exposed to it on a daily basis for four years and know it like the back of my hand. I don't actually know the back of my hand very well. I don't know why people say that, but <laughs> I, I know it really well. So, um, and I've never had problems with clients other than that one thing. Why can't I see my sites in the drop down? And then I get lazy and install hyper admins, which is terribly ancient and I should stop doing that. Yeah, is there um, also the hosting um, requirements of running it? Are they a lot, you know? Yeah, that could get more complicated because uh, mm -hmm. if you're using, say, like a shared hosting and that, and uh, you, you won't have a fixed IP, it's, it's much nicer if you're doing things like domain mapping to have a fixed IP so that yeah. everyone can essentially point at their domain at that fixed IP and then WordPress does the rest. If you don't, you have to then start doing things like mapping of the domain inside of cPanel or whatever else. And that's where it can get complicated and people get stressed out. Mm. Yeah. That, uh, go on, go on, I've, I've been through all that, that domain mapping uh, stuff. So, you know, I, I mean, multi-site intrigued me immensely from the, the time I first heard about it. And I, and I remember, you know, it was, I believe it was WordPress 3.0 when they merged the code base in yep. and, uh, I remember hearing, actually, I think it was on the on the WP Tavern podcast. You know, the suggestion that you know the reason that you that it was probably a good thing that you needed to actually put some code in in order to activate multi-site because if you didn't know what you were doing, it was it was maybe better not to have access to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, you know, I I think that there are, you know there are ways when you set things up to 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 make it easier than that but i was one of the people who really kind of used it for the wrong thing you know i had a bunch of different sites i was tired of having to update stuff you know mm -hmm. this was before you could get something like you know manage wp or sync and just update every, all of your sites i was tired of updating stuff so i thought look they're all my sites i'll just put them into a multi site but the mm -hmm. thing was you know they all had different themes they all had different plugins they so you know that that wasn't a great use case it's the and uh you know something's much better i was doing a little css work the past couple of days on a church website and 
it's a multi-site installation where basically, you know, it's, it's one church, but all of their locations in the state each have a, a subsite. And that's, you know, where you want a consistent design and, a, you know, a shared set of, of plugins available. You want some control over, uh, you know, what people can and, and can't install and manage. And you want it, you know, you, you want it mm-hmm. to, to work well. And you may want a shared uh, user base, yep. uh, then, you know, it's really good for that. And I think, yeah, it is partly, I mean, as with WordPress itself, understanding the concept. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of clients who are confused because understanding the concept of a content management system where the idea is you manage your content in one place and you display it in a bunch of different places. And that's mm-hmm. why there are things like, you know, widgets and this and that, because we want to save you the effort of retyping this stuff every mm-hmm. single place that you want to put it. Uh, Multi-site has an interesting name too, because other open source projects like Django and Drupal, uh, they're, they're, the other word for this is multi-tenant. So multi-tenancy is usually the technical jargon for this, where uh, when people hear multi-site, uh, multi-site is sort of a very opinionated take on sites and site tenancy, where uh, you you usually do want to have global users. You usually do want to have a global code base, and without if you if those two things are like not requirements for you, then multi-site is probably not the thing you want, uh, and you can even do like a pseudo, like you're talking about, like a suit, like you can do global users without multi-site. There are, there, there is code underneath WordPress that let you share users across multiple WordPress sites if that's a thing mm-hmm. you wanted to do. And there is a way now with many hosts and many services to have a sort of global deployment of one code snapshot that gets pushed out to multiple servers all the time, even in single site mode. So the the need for multi-site has shifted as single site services have really come and made having multiple WordPress sites much, much easier than it used to be. That's great. Um, before I go and ask John if he's got any experiences with multi-site, um, I just want to get back to the hosting because my experience, our experience with dealing with some clients on multi-site is that you do need um, some performance enhancement when it comes to hosting um, you need either something like WP Engine or a virtual private server set up. You need something that's got a little, mm-hmm. some reasonable horsepower because otherwise you do get into some performance issues. John, what's you, have you got any experience with multi-site at all? Uh, very, very limited. So I can't really, you know, speak to a lot of these things. Most of the sites that I deal with are, are single installs. So I'm just kicking back and listening. So. Oh, right. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I ran my multi-sites on shared hosting, but, you know, none of them had a ton of visitors or yeah. users. or mm-hmm. it, So, it, you know, as with, with anything, it kind of depends yep. on how, you know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have tried to create my own blog network uh, on shared <laughs> hosting. Uh, but... The thing is, it, it, performance is, all, it's the same with single site or multi-site. The things that you would do to tune it are pretty much identical. There's more you could do with multi-site if you wanted to, but you want caching, you want object caching, query caching, you want to use memcached or varnish or redis or whatever. These are all the same things. Uh, the only thing that you can choose to do 
with multi-site that is a little bit more difficult to do with a single site install is split the database up into parts. And so if you do have lots of sites and you want to offload global tables into one and move some site tables into another, and you can start moving stuff around with plugins like HyperDB or my fork of LudicrousDB. But for the most part, um, hosting companies have solved these problems before. And if we use the like uh, uh, the educational example, a lot of schools run their multi-site instance on just one server sitting at the school on a static IP. Uh, and like Washington State University, Jeremy Felt, uh, they have something like 1,200 sites and seven networks of sites or 14 networks of sites because every school, every teacher gets a site. Um, they all have landing sites. They all have dedicated portal sites and everything, but it runs on one server. So it really does depend on uh, how much traffic you've got and uh, and how you've tuned the server to work. And so... If you have no traffic, then shared hosting is fine. Like that's always like the typical WordPress thing. Who nobody's visiting you, then you're serving no pages. But the more pages that you have to serve, and how tuned that that server is, will determine what your needs are: single site or multiple sites or or multi-site. Yep, that's great. You pointed out. So the Lee, sorry. Well, I was going to say there's a really cool use case for multi-site that people may or may not be aware of, uh, and we do this and. Um, the idea is the WordPress administration area is quite a nice interface and you can use tools like uh, advanced custom fields to create custom fields. You can create post types. So you can very quickly create a back office solution of some sort for clients. Um, if that's successful for them. So for example, we've got a few basic CRMs in certain niches that works really well. They can track their contacts, they can track opportunities and all those sorts of things. And we're using WordPress post types, we're using custom fields, and then some logic that we've written in a plugin. It's a really nice, lightweight, really rapid application development using WordPress as a framework. You can then fire that up inside of a multi-site and you've instantly got the ability to offer people around the world access to their very own CRM system using mm -hmm. custom fields, a little bit of plugin code and WordPress multi-site and maybe admin columns pro as well, because uh, that allows you to do some really cool filtering. And you've got an incredibly easy to build, easy to support software as a solution um, application that people around the world can use. Uh, so we've done that both ways. We've even done it where we've actually created a front-end version that people can log in. Uh, nice. So instead of using the WordPress interface in the admin, they're actually using the front-end. They're using a special theme that we've created. And people would not know that the entire thing was powered by WordPress. So mm -hmm. multi-site, I am like just a crazy fan of. Um, yeah. Freaking That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That was the, the early days of early days of BuddyPress was it was multi-site only. Yeah. And every user had a site and most of their data was stored in that site, mm. uh, which is like a logical way to do this. Like if, if the numbers on WordPress.com were pretty staggering where more than 99.9% .9 of users on WordPress.com only had one site. And so in, in a way you can pretty much guarantee that like mentally people say, I am my site. Like I blog here, this is where my stuff lives. Uh, but eventually the evolution of that is uh, people do want to grow a network and they want the network to not be married to a specific site or a blog and they want it all to be separate. And so 
uh, BuddyPress has evolved and changed to be single site friendly and all those things over the years. But yeah, the one, the one thing that with global users, to your point, is users get, you get instant partitioning, instant separation, yep. where you get roles and capabilities per site. I don't have access to your site. You don't have access to mine. I invite people to mine. You invite people to yours. There's no overlap, but you can choose who you invite in to each individual site for what reason. So it's, it, that, that's nice to have that built in out of the box. And uh, it's not super easy to maintain all that code. So there's a lot of attention that goes into making sure that that continues to work right release over release. So thank, thank you, multi-site gods. <laughs> <laughs> So um, if you kind of um, think the project is suitable for multi-site and you've never um, used it before, are there any good co kind of resources that you could um, suggest that people go to to learn more about it? I'll, I will jumpstart straight ahead. Like there's a bunch that are pretty obvious. You search the web and you'll find all sorts of documentation and resources. But Jeremy Felt on GitHub has open sourced all of the code that they use to super trick out Washington State University's website. So it's, I think it's wsu.edu is their URL, but, uh, but on the Washington State University GitHub repo is like five years, I think at this point of documentation about how they've really tricked out multi-site specifically for uh, like educational purposes and uses. And so, for people who want to like really see a, what multi-site is capable of doing, like you will eventually end up at Jeremy Feltz Washington State University repository. Uh, up, up until learning about it to that end point, search the web is my recommendation. There's like other, like the, the folks at WPMU Dev have really concentrated on having mm -hmm. lots of multi-site specific documentation and plugins and- Now what, what do you think of, of their documentation in general, JJ? Oh, it's good. They've been, they've, they've, the, the folks at InkSub and, and uh, WPMU Dev have, they, they built their entire business around multi-site. I mean, they, lots of their plugins are very single site specific. They're a for-profit company that started uh, with like student and alumni websites uh, as part of their original business model. So they, care about multi-site specifically and they have always put out a bunch of like really good documentation but um but multi-site in recent months i think what lee was kind of alluding to and over the course of probably the past two years or so we've really put in a lot of like hidden performance improvements and little tweaks to for developers who want to like really get the most out of it and query from multiple sites in different ways and really separate networks in other ways. And so there's a lot that could still be documented that probably isn't super public yet. Uh, but those are the, the, I feel like I'm missing one. There's like, Oh, well the folks at web dev studios, uh, yeah. talk a lot about multi-site. They use multi-site for most of their projects also. So they do a lot of really cool case studies on how they've used multi-site to do different types of things. Um, yeah, the reason, um, I was, the reason I was asking, JJ, is that, you know, obviously you can go to the web, but you can also kind of waste a lot of time reading stuff that mm -hmm. um, isn't the best quality and it can actually... Um, put off some people mm -hmm. uh, and the reason why it wasn't working for them was that they were reading stuff that people were producing. I, wasn't, wasn't I, I, have a, 
I have a very far-fetched idea that is somewhere in the core WordPress track where I think it would be neat if WordPress was multi-site by default. Right. Like it, maybe you don't expose the ability to create new sites right off of the bat, but the subdirectory subdomain pick that you used to have to do isn't really that big of a problem anymore. And the performance improvements that multi-site gets with querying for users and other different little things. Uh, if, if, if you could just easily spin up a second or a third or a fourth site, um, or you just hide it in general. Um, I, it's like one of those weird WordPress features that I don't like that it's hidden. It's tucked away. You have to learn about it. You have to discover it. It means you have to have probably done it wrong a few times. Like everyone comes into multi-site like, oh, I wish I would have known about this sooner. And then you get to it. Now you have to do all this rework to merge all your sites together. I, I wish it, it would it, get more love in general. I mean, it's, yeah. it seems like you know, you don't see a ton of multi-site uh, mm. improvements in new releases or, mm. you know, hear that much discussion about it. And, mm. you know, that seems to, seems to be a pity. Yep. Um, the, the yeah, few, it needs better press. Yep, it, it does. It does need better press. The few, the few tweaks that have gone in are, they're largely technical that, because the audience of people that are really flexing multi-site muscle is very, very small still. But I think it's, it's small by design, and I question that design at this point. WordPress 3.0 was a long time ago. And uh, serving, it was, it was web hosts have come a long way. They're all beefier. They're all using PHP 7. It's faster. Uh, it what, a, what it might look like if everyone just had multiple subdomains or directories to just spin up multiple sites whenever they wanted to without having to go through the, the rigmarole uh, of, of activating it and turning it on. Plus then we would have, we would really truly only have one code base to maintain uh, because right now when you activate multi-site, this is why it's a problem because you can't, once you activate multi-site, you can't go back. You can't really easily unactivate multi-site because it runs a bunch of database queries to modify the user's table and update this table. And this works differently than that when multi-site is on versus off. And so uh, there are lots, there's probably 250 different places where if it's multi-site, do this. And if it's single site, do this other thing. Well, that's really exhausting to maintain over time. And so it works and it's in there and it's nice that it's in there, but it's it, it would be easier on everyone if it was just one code base on by default and uh, uh, I don't know I think it would be interesting to see That's yeah certainly uh, a good, uh, good point. yeah I do sorry and it goes back to what you were saying about the uh, uh, you know how it being unusual that the customizer is something that has shown continuous improvement mm -hmm. since its inception uh, because multi-site is definitely one of those areas where that hasn't been true mm-hmm one of the things like, about multi-site historically is when it was a fork of WordPress in the early days, it was really just one person that was working at Automatic that was maintaining multi-site. It eventually turned into uh, Ron Rennick, uh, myself, uh, 
a few others were like really helping with code review and merging from single site to multi-site. And then it would just get pushed and merged to wordpress.com. But it was just one person who was building the majority of it. So when you look at the multi-site code base, you really get a good look at like the inside of one person's mind like some of the problems they had to solve and the decisions that they had to make and the way that things got named. And uh, you look at it and you think to yourself like, boy, if this was built by a team of dedicated engineers, would it have turned out differently? Would it have solved different problems in a different way? And what if multi-site was a plugin instead of being pushed into core? Uh, would it have uh, Gutenberg style uh, been iterated on more quickly and adapted more frequently by others instead of it being baked in where everyone's afraid to work on it and break wordpress.com or something else? Like the, the, the history of how things got put in and how we ended up to where we are, I think is really interesting. But uh, in the end of the day, we are where we are. And so this is what we have to work with. And I think if this is what we have, we should really, you know, try and treat it nicer or, you know, be more respectful to the legacy that it comes with. So, Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I thought I would discuss the topic really, JJ. And thanks for coming on the show because I had some concerns about the discussion because it's not like the sites area I leave to a couple of developers that work for me. But one of the reasons why I brought you up, JJ, because uh, a couple of months, or more than a couple of months ago, time flies, is that I had a kind of bit of an informal discussion with um, a state. I live in Nevada, and I had a discussion mm -hmm. with a, a director of a state department um, over coffee, and um, he's he, he, they're really big into Drupal, and that he kind of kind of semi dismissed WordPress that it was a blogging platform and it couldn't run multiple sites. And I said, Well, you you know, I don't really agree with that. Obviously you have your point of view. I'll put it very in milder terms than that. I said, You should go and have a look at multi site and he hadn't even heard of it. Um yep. he, he had no knowledge of it at all. And I think there's a lot of lot of people in IT departments of institutions that are a bit like that, aren't they, JJ? I think so too. And it's, uh, they, and rightfully so, they have other stuff to worry about other than, yeah. you know, the, the CMS that is going to run the website. They're worried about 50 million other things in any given day. And so the conversation to convince someone that this hidden gem is really the thing that everything should be architected and built around is a tough sell. Uh, you need, you need someone who can come in and speak to it and really pitch it as a feature. Uh, someone has to champion it. Someone has to evangelize it. And if it was just built in, that would happen organically. Whereas right now it has to happen like very, very intentionally. Well, I think we'll wrap it up now. Um, I think we've had a, a pretty d good discussion. And I'll make sure some of those links to the resources. I just wanted to check with JJ what you thought about some of the resources that Lee and himself. I know for uh, sure I'm forgetting really, really good ones. So I'm sorry uh, to everyone. I, I have but. a collection of bookmarks. I'll drop them in there. Uh, oh, thank, thanks for this. Drop them in the Slack. Yeah, thanks. Um, and I'll make sure they're in the show notes. So do have a look at it, have a play with it. Like what JJ it, um, tends to be missed out, but for the right circumstances, it's a powerful product. Um, I'm just going to go quickly around the panel. To um, I'll start with Lee. Lee, um, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to and your videos? 
Can you come back to me because my computer is going nuts and everything. Yeah, sure, no problem. Sorry. Let's, start, let's start with our guest, JJ. Most of the code that I write and plugins that I work on are on GitHub uh, at JJJ or uh, if you, uh, I mean, I largely spend my time working with the security team or working on WordPress core or uh, the BBs. So, uh, hosting companies sponsor me to work on core and you could do so too at sponsorwp.com. Uh, I try, I'm going to try and sell some add-ons I think for some of my plugins at pluginsloaded.com. Uh, I am sort of learning how to make money. So, uh, you know, if anybody has any pointers, I'm all ears. I just got back from Cabo Press, so my head is still full of business ideas from everybody else. So I'm sure, it uh, is. but that's also, that's where people can find me. And also, they can find you on a phone, on a great podcast called uh, What Was It? What's oh it? yeah, the WordPress Weekly with uh, with everybody's everybody's friend Jeffro. So uh, yeah, that's that's sort of new. It's about six months or eight months in. Uh, but I wasn't going to go talking about that podcast on this podcast. That doesn't. <laughs> we don't mind. Right. We have anybody. We have Lee. So I we shamelessly plug mine all the time. <laughs> Shamely plugs his, but I've got no problem. Well, thank you, thank you for the plug. I'm um, sure. I'm sure Jeff will appreciate that. No, you've been doing a great, great job on, on the podcast. Uh, I, I've been really enjoying listening to both of you, and um, I think you've been doing a fantastic job, JJ. Thank you. Um, thank you, Lee. Um, sorted out his computer problems so um, how can people get hold of you uh, right well you can get hold of me on wpinnovator.com head on over there because the 100th episode is live today Ooh. that's exciting that's wow. a big milestone congratulations that's awesome a huge milestone yeah you did fantastic I went to the dentist on the same day it's a bit depressing <laughs> well and you won't you won't get to add another digit until you have done 900 more episodes so yeah, this is yeah. the reason to celebrate it's a good, yeah, it's that, a good that's news. a great achievement um fantastic news lee um sally how can people get hold of you find me at wpfangirl.com or i am at sally getch on twitter and the meetup is eastbaywp.com oh thanks and john how can people find you john you can find me at my website, which is LockdownDesign.com, or follow me on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, just look up Lockdown Design. also want to say Lee didn't mention this, but he's got a YouTube channel that you should follow as well. So, Yeah, he's doing great stuff there. Um, um, I think you, you look out multiple uh, videos each week, don't you, Lee? Yeah, he's pumping them out. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, I think he's disappeared. <laughs> I think he's gone back to his dentist, actually. Uh, um, so, uh, it's quite thanks for that, John. It's really easy, folks. You can either get go to the website, WP Tonic. Um, we have all the episodes and bonus content as well. Um, you can uh, get me on Twitter, at Jonathan Denwood, or you can just use email at Jonathan at wp-tonic.com any suggestions about guests subjects is most welcome and if you're feeling very generous try and leave us a review on itunes um it does really help the show and we have had recently a few new reviews which is great to read good or bad i'm, I'm easy about whatever feedback you want to give um i just want to thank the panel um i thought it's been a great round table i always re- 
always enjoy the roundtable shows and we'll see you next week at 8 30 pacific standard time um you can watch the show live on facebook or there's a link to our zoom if you want to ask the panel any questions and we'll see you next week folks bye thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week